This program is brought to you by Bibleway Media, a work of the Ulaga Church of Christ. We do want to welcome everyone back to the Online Academy uh, podcast here entitled The Academy, brought to you by OEBS and Bibleway Media. With me today is Brother Hank Lawrence. Thank you, Hank, for joining us here today. Great uh, to be here, Russ. Thanks for the invite. As we've been doing this, and I know you've been you've listened to a few of these others as well, that uh, we've been interviewing our instructors, giving people a chance to get to know our instructors better. And so we're going to start our interview portion uh, of this podcast. Now, if you listen to our most recent episode, you'll notice it also was a lesson from Hank. Uh, get to, got to go online and grab that one, and everybody got to listen to him uh, preach a, a lesson. I believe it was Do You Thirst, if there's a title of it. But uh, our, we want to begin this interview session uh, asking uh, a couple of questions here. Is, and the first one is, why did you get into preaching? That's a great question. And, you know, I'll listen back to a lot of the guys who've got into it in the in past podcasts. And one of the things I've noticed as a trend is there's a lot of guys who never really had it as their, you know, dedication in life. And looking back and whenever I started, I noticed one of the first things was the need for it. I was extremely fortunate as a young guy to be at a congregation, it's the Elijah Church of Christ, to be at a congregation where there were several young men, and they really encouraged the young men to step into the role and to start writing certain shorter lessons, and then giving them the opportunity to go out and start preaching lessons. And so I was able to start very early on as a very young teenager in developing lessons and preaching because of those opportunities. And one of the things that we're blessed with in this area that I live in, in the Ozarks, is we have a lot of congregations around and a lot of them are smaller congregations. And so um, a lot of times there's a rotation of men. And early on, I was able to get in the rotation and one of the things that led to me preaching today was just in seeing the need. And there was always a need for men to preach and always a need for that. And so I was, I was just very fortunate to be encouraged at a young age to pursue that. And I'd never really looked at it as being something that I would continue doing and, and it kind of being my full-time work, but I've been blessed that that's been able to be my life now for the last, uh, last several years. So now I know you went to, you went to preaching school and you can tell me you went to preaching school in a second, but also uh, I know you say you've been preaching for a couple for several years now, as you put it. Uh, but also, uh, where did you go to preaching school, and where are you currently preaching at? So I originally went and attended the um, Bear, Valley, Bear Valley Bible Institute out, and this has been oh, it's been several years ago now. And attended there for a semester, and ended up stepping away from that, and um, had some issues that were brought up that we can we can get into later. And, and one of the things that I had noticed and something there for any of the young men that might be listening to this is is to be very weary of where you choose to go if that's in terms of education or trying to further your work in the ministry. Um, looking back now, it was a great endeavor in being able to see the contrary things to a lot of the issues that are brought up, and it was a very um, eye-opening experience to be able to go out there, and so I um, I did attend there for, for just a little while before I stepped away. I'm currently at the Curry Street Church of Christ in West Plains, Missouri. I've been here for going on now. I guess I'm going on my fifth year now of being out here, and so I was able to work. Um, Brother Larry Yarber was also here and was able to work with him um, for a few years before his passing as of late, and so very thankful for that opportunity. Yeah, and I, uh, I wasn't sure how long you've been at uh, Curry Street. And, I'm, and of course, we both knew Brother, Brother Larry, uh, and definitely we're sorry to see him pass away. 
uh, a legend in the brotherhood for for many many reasons. Um, now, when did you start with OEBS, and why did you uh, want to teach with OEBS? I say one of the biggest reasons I started with OABS is um, because of the influence of Larry and um, of brother Tony Smith. I was able to become acquainted with Tony um, after I'd first started the work here with Larry. Tony had come up and done a meeting, and um, I, I really wasn't very familiar with OABS or the endeavor of it. And being able to become acquainted with both Tony and Larry, it really uh, was eye-opening to the opportunities that that are out there. You know, I think sometimes, especially in my area. We had become very spoiled in having congregations around. And one of the things that we is very needful for is using technology for the gospel and for the sake of it. And so just the avenue and the opportunity to be able to preach the gospel and not be hindered by location was just such a, a unique endeavor. And to have it overseen by a very sound eldership within the brotherhood and to be a part of the group. And so I've been with OABS now. This is going on my um, third year now being full-time with OABS. And so it's, it's been a blessing and, and has really been a, a very joyful thing. Well, I know we're glad to have you. And I know the, the eldership's glad to have you. Uh, I know it's, it's kind of funny uh, how things happen, but I remember you were teaching a class on women of the Bible originally on Facebook. And as social media goes, I didn't tend to like that. And so uh, I am thankful that OABS uh, gave you that chance to teach that on, and continue to teach that currently on, on uh, OABS on Tuesday nights. And so, you know, that's one of the great things about being an uh, online Bible school. There is uh, just because the world does not like the truth doesn't mean we're going to stop teaching it or to, uh, to, to do away with it. And so uh, if one closes it down, we'll just, uh, you know, if it's the truth, we'll put it out there as well. Now, for our discussion today, I know you had selected the text, and so I'll let you uh, begin our, our discussion and study on that, and we'll use the remainder of, the remainder of our time uh, for that study. Absolutely. So, and I'll kind of preface this by saying we're going to be looking at 1 John 1, and namely, instead of just one particular verse, we'll be looking at verses 5 through 10. And one of the reasons this was really brought up and brought to the forefront of my mind is several years ago, I remember I, I'm actually originally from and, and kind of my hometown is in Mountain Home, Arkansas, still located here in the Ozarks. So I'm very fortunate to be in the area that I kind of grew up in. And I remember several years ago, there was a, just a giant billboard that had popped up in Mountain Home. And in, in just very huge letters, it just said unconditional forgiveness is, is what it said, unconditional forgiveness. And then it was accompanied a little bit lower than that with an artist rendition of Jesus. And the message on the very bottom was visit my churches. And it was such an ironic thing to see that really grab uh, my attention in, in mainstream attention, obviously, that's been a doctrine. This idea of once saved, always saved has been around for a very long time. But with that very new and blatant advertising, I decided at that point, it'd be a good time to look into it. And one of the scariest things that I realized is that this doctrine was not something that was just being promoted of once saved, always saved by the world. But it's a doctrine that has really infiltrated the church and has become a, an issue that we are still presently dealing with today, and sadly, that will probably be, probably be very presently dealing with into the future. And so, in, in looking at 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, and, and that's one thing to pull out is the necessity of looking at the entirety of the text before we go any further with it. And so, we'll just go ahead and read that 1 John 1, 5 through 10, which says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not 
not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So that's 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And kind of looking at the opposite side of that, there's a lot of people today who believe, in, and I've used the phrase and told you a minute ago, Russ, the idea that Christians are Teflon coded to the point that sins do not stick to them, that there's no such thing as a Christian who can have sin stick to them. Instead, the blood of Christ continually cleanses them unconditionally from all sin. And that's really the idea we're seeing now. There's this idea of unconditional forgiveness being offered to Christians, even if they don't repent, even if they don't confess, even if they don't uh, ask for forgiveness. And so that's that's based on a very critical misunderstanding of 1 John chapter 1, this idea of unconditional continual cleansing. And, you know, we're just kind of looking back into the text there, verse number seven, which is the main text that's used for this idea and belief of unconditional continual cleansing. Verse seven, which states, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. Of course, you know, if we were going to dive into that text, we'd realize that cleanses as used in 1 John 1 and verse number 7, is we, we're going to dive into the deep part of it, is the present active indicative tense referring to an ongoing action for an indefinite period of time. And that's something that many who believe in this idea of we don't have to do anything as a Christian once we have sinned point out. But you'll notice, and we go back there to it qualified there earlier in verse number 7 as if we walk in the light. And so the idea of it being an unconditional cleansing action, that just because I'm a Christian and have lived as a Christian, and, and the idea of, well, if I just go out and sin, and it's got something that's going to be automatically removed, that I don't have to do anything, it's going to be automatically removed. And so they, they miss in looking at that idea of cleansing being that present active indicative tense. Also, if we look back, if we walk in the light, which is the present active subjunctive mood, that is also an ongoing action. It's something that we also have to do. And so, in other words, as long as we walk in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. But if we go out of that, if we stop walking in the light, which if we go back up there to verse number five, the idea that I can step out from walking in the light and going into the darkness is the idea of, okay, I'm going to go out and sin and there'd be no consequences from it. And so it's just a very scary idea that has currently, uh, we found ourselves facing within the church. And, and I think something that we need to realize within the brotherhood is that a lot of the problems that we have facing us, and we might think of all of the problems going on in the world, and that's certainly true. But really, in looking at this, a lot of these problems are being caused from within, and, and that's something that we've seen happen some, from the beginning of the, of the church back there in the first century in Acts chapter 2 and onward there as we see the issues come up in the church is that, yeah, there's a lot of issues that go on outside of it, and there's certainly things we need to address, but there's a lot of problems that come from within, and that's kind of the problem we're seeing. <clears throat> yeah, and you know, it's, we are warned over and over again, like you said, that problems can't come with, from within, meaning that anyone can be wrong uh, no matter who they are uh, even even brethren can be wrong and uh, that's one of the things we've run into here of late is we have some brethren here well known who are teaching some things that are inaccurate they just do not mesh with what you've talked about already and uh, some seem to be kind of more upset about the idea of uh, bringing it up because of them more than you are about the truth as you pointed out here in verse 
in verse five, you know, he says, uh, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Darkness in the Bible is repeatedly referred to as sin, as wickedness. And if God is light and in him is no darkness at all, which means there's no sin in him. And so if we walk in the light as he is in the light, it means we cannot have sin in our lives. Uh, we have to be those who confess our sins, repent of those things and pray to God. What we commonly refer to as the second law of pardon. And what's really discouraging is that when we hear people talk about this continual cleansing that's unconditional, it's automatic. As one man who I asked quite well, asked him out, uh, outright, do you think this teaches automatic forgiveness? And he said, yes. Uh, that is not what the Bible teaches. Nowhere in the Bible has anyone ever automatically been forgiven. Uh, we cannot confuse God's long suffering with God. Uh, God's approval. You know, walking in the light requires us to repent of our sins. We cannot have have committed sin and still be walking in the light. And that's what people are teaching us or telling us today, that you can commit sin while walking in the light. You know, no one told Peter that. No one told the Apostle Paul that. No one told David back in the Old Testament that was, that was the idea, too, that he could sin and still be right in the sight of God. He obviously thought he was okay until Nathan came to him and told him that thou art the man. And what did he do? He had to repent. You know, we think about Acts chapter 8, a newly converted person. There was Simon the sorcerer, formerly Simon the sorcerer. And he wanted to purchase the gift of the Holy Spirit because he saw you know, the, the passing on through the laying on the apostles' hands. So he wanted to purchase it. And Peter told him he needed to repent right away because of this. And he was a new converted Christian, newly converted Christian. He still was told to repent right away. Because if he had died in, after committing that sin, he would not be—he would not have died in a state that was pleasing with pleasing with God. And so, when we say, when we say that we can sin and still continue to walk in the light, you cannot support that from Scripture. And I think part of the problem we have here is people want to find uh, assurance and know that we have assurance from the Scriptures that we can know we are we are those who belong to God as we obey His commands and continue to do so. But we cannot find assurance from things that are not doctrinally and scripturally accurate. That's right. That's right. And looking back, you know, First John being written there that so we might have joy and there is certainly an assurance, but it is conditional in us walking in the light and us continuing to be obedient to God's word. And we mentioned a minute ago, you know, there's there's a lot of places today. And, and this is not just coming from a select few men. This is coming from some of the well, most well-known brethren within the brotherhood. This is coming from preaching schools. It's coming from institutions now that are teaching this. And several years ago was really the first time that I had heard this actually from an instructor at the preaching school that I was attending. And it was this idea that there was no need for repentance after after committing sin. And so I remember being in that class and it was a quite sizable class. And I don't really remember now how we got into the subject, but we had kind of delved into that, the need for uh, repentance and asking for forgiveness after we've sinned. And the point they'd made was that was something that was not necessary, that as long as a person using their words was a Christian and had been a Christian for the majority of their life, then they would still be able to be walking in the light, even in sin. And that was the idea. And so I inquired him, actually asked the question. So if I live a life in God's service, but then one day I go out, I decide to kill someone, then kill myself, what would be the outcome? And the remark was from this instructor that because I had lived a life up to that point that lived in servitude to God, then he believed that God would overlook that. And that was stated, they believed that no, it was a lifetime of continual sin and that was quoting directly from the instructor there that would send us to be 
uh, one found in hell. And the, that idea is something that is just not found in Scripture. You know, as you mentioned there a second ago, how many times in Scripture is sin condoned? Is it ever something that we can continue to have in our life and it be good? You know, we go back and look at even the text that's presented. The same thing is true in, in chapter 1 and verse number 7 of 1 John as it is in, in verse number 9. If we continue to confess our sins, then God continues to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what isn't present is the idea that that cleansing happens even while we're sinning. And, and we don't find that idea in the Bible. And, and so this idea that I can go out in the world, and I'm not one that subscribed to the notion of these people who think I just go out and I, I sin every day and I'm just a sinner. We have to be very ignorant of the scripture. And that's something that we're going to be held accountable for if we refuse to look into the word, that if we are not actively looking and realizing what we ought to do, there's not a pass for that. And so I have to make sure that I'm doing everything in my power to walk in the light. And whenever I do fall, as I will fall, as First John points out repeatedly, that I make sure I make those things right in my life, that I repent and ask God for forgiveness. And at that point, I will be forgiven. But the idea of removing repentance from the necessity of a Christian's life is something that's foreign to the idea of the scripture. You know, and what's, what's interesting is as we run into so many different issues with this, and one is that we have some are saying, well, we're not saying you shouldn't confess or repent, but if you're telling someone they can still walk in light, even when they have sinned, you're telling them there's no need to repent because you're still walking in the light. And if you're still walking in light when you sinned, then why do we have a way back to God, as we would call it there in, in 1 John 2, where God is our, where we have an advocate with the Father Christ, who is propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. Well, why do we have that there if we're still walking in the light when we sin? It must mean that when we sin, we're not walking in the light, whether we're talking about one sin or a, quote, lifestyle of sin. You know, Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2 tell us that sin separates us from God. And so either sin separates us from God or it doesn't. Either Isaiah 59 is, is correct or it's not. And as we look here in 1 John 1, look at 1 John 2, we find that we are to be those who confess, repent, and pray to God when we sin each and every time. And when we do that, we can have assurance that God's going to forgive us those things, 1 John 1 and verse 9. And people, when we, when we talk about this sometimes, they say, well, where's, you know, where's the assurance? Where's the peace in that? The peace is knowing that when we confess, repent, and pray that God forgives us of those things. And as we study God's Word, we're going to be those by our knowledge that we gain each and every day as a Christian who are going to be those who desire to, to sin less and less, to recognize temptation more and more, and to stay away from it. And as we follow God's commands, we will know that we are His, First John 2 and verse 3. And so to say that those who, uh, from our point of view, might say who take the view that we do, have no assurance, well, that's completely false. You know, this is not a scare tactic. It is the Bible truth. No one can be forgiven of sin apart from confession, repentance, and prayer, the second law apart. That's right. That's right. And, and we have to look at the scripture in its entirety. And there's too many proofs to the contrary to this idea of once saved, always saved, and in this unconditional security that is there. And, you know, examining 2 Peter 1, 10, 11, and, and talking about the conditional aspect of that, that there is security, but it is conditional. Wherefore, the brethren, rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. 
For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so there's certainly security, but it is still conditional on us doing something. We have an obligation to be obedient. That's what Hebrews 5, 9 tells us, that we have to be obedient to be able to find that assurance in the scripture. We have to. You know, and what's interesting is sometimes we forget I keep saying what's interesting, but we think about how every blessing from God that a Christian has is conditional. Everything is conditional. You want to have heaven at your home, it's conditional upon obedience. You want to have forgiveness, it's conditional upon confession, repentance, and prayer. You want to have salvation, it's uh, conditional upon obeying the gospel. And so we cannot, we cannot deny that as we look at the scriptures and we go to Romans 8 and we have those who want to say, you know, that God doesn't impute sin uh, towards the Christian who's walking in the light. Well, he doesn't impute sin upon us when we confess, repent, and pray. That's what he's talking about in that whole context there. It's not that we can sin and God will not impute sin, impute that to our account because we're walking in the light because you're still, because then you're saying a person can sin, walk in the light and still be okay. Which when you think about that, what does that sound like? Was well, a former denominational person, it sounds like once saved, always saved. And there are those who say, "Well, that's not what we're teaching." But when you walk it out and look at what they're what they're what they're saying here, that's what it comes down to. Whether you're saying you're teaching that or not, that's what the bottom line truly is. That's right. And, and that in the end, whenever you push that to its final version, whenever you really logically think about it, that's all. That's all it is. Is this Calvinism is something that sadly is something that's rearing its ugly head again. And we have to be on guard that we make sure that we're continually looking into the scripture and looking at the truth of it and, and that we're not afraid to talk about these things. And, you know, I had somebody ask, well, do, do I, do I doubt my salvation or, or, or can, can we know? Well, we, we can know as long as we're obedient. And, and that's something that's conditional on our part. First John two, three through six, and, and probably a good one to, to wrap up that discussion on first John, first John two, three through six. And hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him, but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. And so if I want to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Christian walk, I've got to be obedient. And I've got to listen to those commandments and not only listen to them, but follow them. And I can know, but I have to be a Christian and obey his commandments. And this is not saying that we're going to live a perfect life, but whenever we do fall short, what short, what a beautiful assurance we have and that we can be forgiven if we confess and repent of those things we've done. So it is a wonderful assurance, but it is a conditional assurance that we have to take part in. Yes. You know, if, whenever we, we look at the Bible, we find that the, the, the message concerning sin is the same from the very beginning. When, it, when sin is present, we have to take care of it immediately. We should not be those who say, well, you know, yeah, you need to repent and pray, but, you know, you're still walking like, no, the Bible doesn't tell us that. As we've shown quite, quite clearly. Now, I think about our final example here. I think about Cain way back in Genesis 4. It wasn't that Cain did not sin against against God because he would. What's interesting is the point I want to bring out there is that God told Cain that he could overcome the temptation of sin. He says, "If you do not do, if you do well, we not be accepted. Sin lies at the door; its desires for you, but you should rule over." Which means you can overcome it, Cain. But away your hatred, your bitterness, where you want to call it, and get over it, suck it up, and make things right with God. And he didn't do it. Uh, and so for us today, when we sin, we can't be those who say, well, God's going to overlook it. No, we are those who, if we do well, we will be accepted because we confess, repent, and we pray. 
and up. And I'm going to close out that that study there. And then, and again, I know this was not our in-depth study we could do, but I think we talked about a lot of things, uh, a lot of things that are creeping in that we need to be aware of, that we need to be good students of the Bible about, like we always should, and be those who are humble enough to always follow God's word and not to be uh, fooled into ideas that are simply not based in the word of God. So I do thank Brother Hank for being here with us today here on the Academy Podcast. I do thank you for listening and hope you'll tune in again next time for another episode of the Academy Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening.